0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 10 of the Voiceover Roadmap podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for listening to the show so far through these first 10 episodes. And if you haven't listened to all 10 episodes, I would uh, highly suggest that you go back and do that. We've had some great guests in this first batch of 10 episodes that had a lot of great insight on marketing and online casting sites and all sorts of things. Um, So I would definitely recommend you guys go back and check out some of those episodes, all of them, but especially the ones with the uh, guest co-host, a lot of great information in there for you. And uh, I want to thank everybody who submitted a question or their audio for one of these first 10 episodes as well. And I'd like to encourage you guys to keep doing so. So if you have questions that you'd like to hear answered on future episodes by myself or some guest co-hosts, please go ahead and submit them over at voiceoverroadmap.com questions. On today's episode, we have some more great performance, audio, and business questions from you guys. But before we dive into those, just a quick reminder, you can listen to the show on iTunes, on YouTube, or on voiceoverroadmap.com. And if you'd like to check out the show notes for this episode, you can get them at voiceoverroadmap.com slash zero one zero. And if you like the show and you find it useful and helpful, please feel free to go ahead and share it on social media or anywhere else with your voiceover friends. So let's go ahead and jump into our questions for this week, starting with our performance question, which comes from Thurston. And he asks... What are the benefits of switching from voice acting part-time to doing so full-time? Obviously, it frees you to send more auditions per day and meet stricter deadlines as VO gets faster and faster, but does it tend to have any noticeable effect on your performance skills or have any less obvious advantages? So yeah, you touched on some of the most obvious advantages is that you're going to have more time to dedicate to it, and that's going to pay off. I mean, the more you put in, the more you get out. So more auditions, more marketing, more time honing your skills and your performance and putting your demos together and just everything that goes with running a business. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it besides just actually recording. So it's more time to do all of that and to establish yourself and to build client relationships and hopefully ongoing client relationships. And that's how you build a successful business doing it. So does it tend to have any noticeable effect on your performance skills? I'd say if you use that that extra time that you have wisely Then yes it should I mean you should If you haven't done any coaching And you think that that's something that you need Or something that you'd benefit from Now you'll have time to meet with a coach Either you know on a regular basis Or just once in a while Or do online coaching sessions um, I mean that's, that's a huge thing Even if you already are established Just to stay sharp And to just learn new things And just to you know Keep getting better and better And that's a great way to do that So the more time that you have to devote Not only to the actual business side The kind of auditioning marketing that thing, but to actually working on your skills as a talent, that's gonna go a long way in getting you more work, just as more auditioning is gonna go a long way in getting you more work. And you also sort of touched on uh how it how voiceover gets faster and faster. And that's a big thing as well. Um it's a it's a fast-paced business. People expect things quick when they when a client comes to you and asks what your turnaround time is, they really don't want to hear more than twenty four hours. Obviously if it's an audiobook or some really long project, sure. But you know, if it's a commercial project or a short script, you really want to be able to turn that stuff around you know within 24 hours if not sooner if not you know same day or within a few hours a lot of the top talent that's what they're doing they're turning around you know quick commercial projects within a few hours so being full time allows you to do this obviously because if you're working at a different job full time Chances are when you're hearing from clients with projects, it's during business hours, it's during the workday. And if you're at a different job, then you're not going to be able to turn around that project within you know, a few hours. You could hopefully turn it around within 24 hours because you can still work on stuff at night. But eventually, you know, if you're really taken off and getting successful and you have a good amount of work coming in, you might not. You might not be able to have enough time at night to do all the work that you need to. The projects and the auditioning to keep more projects coming in and the marketing to keep more projects coming in. And all the business activities, the invoicing, the bookkeeping, all that stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it. So yeah, I mean, when you get to the point where the ball's rolling and you're doing better and better, then going full-time will definitely allow you to devote a lot more of your energy to to you know, building things more and more and getting more and more successful. A less obvious advantage might be that when you have more time to devote to voiceover, You might start to learn what you need to learn. There might be things that you don't even really realize. Oh, you know, this is something that might help me. This is something that might, you know, take my business further. And when you start, you know, devoting your full, say, nine to five day to just doing voiceover and, you know, you finish your auditions, you finish your projects, you finish what you need to for the day. And there's still time in that day. You're going to want to find things that are productive and worthwhile to fill that time with and that kind of thinking and that kind of research and that kind of stuff that you'll be looking into can start to you know help you discover new things that you can do to take things further and learn more and become a better talent become a better audio engineer become a better marketer become a better business person so so yeah um so it's definitely you know it's going to be different for everyone but when you're at the point where it feels like going full-time might be the right decision then I think the benefits are definitely going to be dramatic and uh, noticeable but um yeah I mean I, I started building my business part-time for really like a full year so I was doing voiceover for a full year while working a full-time office job and then in that time you know I was able to build up the business to a point where it was pretty successful and I had a nice client base I had you know nice home studio nice audio quality knew what I was doing. Pretty much performance-wise, you know, you're always getting better at that, but I had a decent level of uh, performance ability. And uh, yeah, so after about a year, then it was ready to jump full-time. And Then, like all those things that we just talked about, you know, I had time to to devote, you know, more energy and resources to doing all those things and just keep taking things further. So yeah, that would be my advice. And uh, thank you so much for the question, Thurston. Now let's jump over to our audio question, which this week comes from Steve, and Steve asks... Sometimes when an edit is made, there's an audible click that is left over at the edit point. What is this and how can it be removed or avoided? So obviously it's hard to say exactly what this is without hearing it or seeing it uh, in person. But uh, to me, it kind of sounds like a bad edit. I mean, if you're editing things smoothly, then it should really be unnoticeable to somebody who is just listening to the audio and not looking at the waveform that an edit was even made. So some things that can leave a little artifact like that, like a little click or some sort of noise, is if you're making an edit, say, where you're cutting out a word or just, you know, splicing in a few words into a sentence, something like that is if you're not very clean around the borders of the words that you're editing. So even if you have just a fraction of a fraction, just a little tiny snippet of a waveform that you left on the very edge of the point where you're editing, that's going to you're not obviously not going to hear much because it's like a milli it's like, you know, a hundredth of a millisecond of audio. So it's very very quick, but because there's still a little 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 piece of that waveform there, you're going to hear something. And what you're going to hear most of the time is a little click or something like that. So I would just say, zoom in on the actual waveform of what you're editing around and make sure that you're really clean and really tight with your edit points and that you're not leaving over any audio that you don't want to leave over. Um, Something else that could also help with this is when after you make an edit is to use a crossfade. So over the actual edit point, you would put a crossfade. And what that's doing is simultaneously fading down the first clip while it fades up the second clip. And it's kind of just like a quick kind of way to think about it is it's sort of like putting some glue or something over that edit point just to kind of really smooth it out and stitch it together a little bit better. So if there is a little click on that edit point, sometimes a crossfade can help smooth that out and get rid of that. But yeah, those are all some things that I would uh, look into. Chances are if you're hearing something like an audible click, then you should be able to see something on the waveform. So I would say if that's the case, zoom in. Uh, maybe really far because it might be a really, really tiny piece of audio. But zoom in on the edit point and look and see what you see there. And uh, you can sort of, if you have a scrub tool in your audio program or whatever DAW you're using, uh, what that will let you do is sort of very, very slowly move along the audio timeline and you'll hear things. It'll sound like that kind of slow motion voice. So it'll sound really crazy, but you're listening very, very slowly to it, just a tiny piece of audio at a time. So you can kind of scrub back and forth over that edit point and try to really pinpoint what's going on and where that click is. Yeah. Uh, then just, you know, see what you can do once you find it. Is it something that you need to delete? Is it something that you need to smooth out with a crossfade? You know, just decide what the uh, situation is, but those are all the different things that I would check out and look at. So uh, yeah, best of luck with that, Steve, and thanks so much for the question. And our final question for this episode is our business question, which comes from Tina. And Tina says, if I call a video production company and they give me the info email address to email my demos to for the first time, and then I send it off, how do you suggest following up in a couple of weeks to see if they've received your demos? Do I call or do I email that info address again? Because they never officially gave me the name of a person. So yeah, this is a situation that probably a lot of people find themselves in uh, when marketing to companies because even though the best case scenario is to have an actual person and their, and their actual email address, uh, a lot of times it's just you won't have it. You'll just have a contact form or generic email address, um, which you can still get good results from. So it's, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't submit to those. So if you call a video production company, And they give you just the generic info email address to email your demos to. I would say you can, you know, you've already sort of had two forms of communication at this point. You've called them and you've had a little discussion with them and they said, sure, send us your demos. Here's the email address and it's info at company or hello at company, whatever it is. And then you send it to them. So at that point, it's pretty much like, well, you called them, you asked them what you should do. They told you and you did it and you could kind of leave it there. Um, If you do want to follow up and you certainly can, especially, I mean, it's always nice if they have the courtesy of, you know, just at least sending you back like a two sentence email saying, thanks, you know, something like that saying like, thanks received, you know, something like that, just to kind of confirm. I would then, yeah, I'd say you can follow up with that same email address that you sent the demos to and just say, hey, you know, just wanted to confirm that uh, you guys got the demos I sent over last week. And if not, please let me know and I'll be happy to resend something like that. In your question, you said, how do you suggest following up in a couple of weeks? I would just do it in maybe a couple of days or or one week, because if it's a generic email address and you're just submitting your demos and it's not something very concrete, like you're discussing a project or something like that, a few weeks, they might not even really remember. And there might be multiple people checking that different email address. So it's, you know, it's tough. So I'd say either A, you don't really have to follow up. What you can do is you now have an email address from them. So just keep them on your mailing list and... And, you know, keep them in the loop with any newsletters you send out, that sort of thing. If you do want to follow up, I'd say just do it a couple days later saying just, hey, just wanted to make sure you got my demos that I sent over. You know, if not, be happy to resent. And if you don't get a response to that email, um, then, you know, I would just trust that they have them. You know, they gave the email address. You followed their instructions. You sent it to them. They have them. If they want to get in touch, they'll get in touch and just, you know, put them into sort of your regular marketing campaigns. Now keep that generic email address on your list and so they could just, you know, stay aware of you as time goes on um, when you send out any sort of marketing materials to just kind of keep yourself on people's radar. So yeah, that's how I would go about handling that. But um, it's sort of unfortunate that it's just the kind of the way it'll go. You know, a lot of times you'll not hear back from people and you'll, you know, even if you follow up, you'll still not hear back. And sometimes that means that, you know, they just don't have a need for your services right now or, you know, they're just, you know, they're working with other talent, whatever. And sometimes like I've had... A few, like a few situations like this where I've sent out a marketing email, never heard back a single thing. So it just, it went out and I never got a confirmation, never got a thank you, never got a no, we're not interested even, just never got anything. And then like seven months later, I'll just get an email with a job from that person. So it's like, we went from zero to a hundred. We skipped all the, you know, any communication, any, oh yeah, thanks. Demo sound good. I'll keep you in mind. Or, oh yeah, send your demos here. Or, you know, any sort of follow up marketing. We skipped all that and went from, I sent a marketing email just to getting a job and not even knowing that they even received my marketing email because they never even, you know, confirmed that. So, you know, everybody's different. You don't know how you don't know what people's schedules are like. You don't know how they handle their emails and how, you know, how they deal with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so that's why it's, you know, kind of a numbers game in that sense. You got to just put out as, as much as you can and, uh, you know, work with what you get back. So yeah, uh, thanks so much for the question, Tina. And I hope that helps give you some insight into what to do in those situations. So that is going to wrap it up for episode 10 and for our first 10 episodes of the show. So again, thank you guys so much for listening to all of these episodes so far. If you've missed any episodes, definitely recommend that you go back and check them out. Uh, We've had a lot of great questions come in over these first 10 episodes and a lot of great insight from the guest co hosts who have been on the show as well. And again, if you'd like to submit a question of your own, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. And the show notes for this episode will be at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 010. And if you like the show, please feel free to share it with any of your voiceover friends on social media or anywhere else. And yeah, again, just thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions and audio so far and everyone who's listened so far. And I look forward to talking to you guys soon in episode 11.